0: Well, our friends at Turo College have um, uh, provided some amazing guests for us over the last few months, and in many cases, we get to uh, ask about whether the guests who represent certain departments uh, have seen a spike in in enrollment uh, as it relates to COVID. You know, obviously, in the medical field, et cetera, we know that uh, in general, uh, medicine, nursing, et cetera, has become very attractive because of the... uh, uh, situation we've been in over the last year and a half be interesting to ask that same question to our next guest with us live via telephone is uh, dr. Stephen Piratinsky, who is the associate professor of clinical social work at turo college's graduate school of social work uh, dr. Piratinsky, a pleasure to welcome you to jm in the am
1: hi good morning i'm a pleasure to be here
0: i appreciate that very much um So, I mean, I know we have a lot to discuss, and we'll try to get to everything, but is there such a thing as a spike or a noticeable difference in your department because of the COVID-19 situation?
1: Well, there's definitely um, increased recognition of mental health needs um, as a result of the COVID pandemic. I mean, the federal government is putting a lot of money um, into a lot of related areas, um, including mental health and support for other medical personnel. So definitely has been uh,
0: an uptick in interest, and uh, we know that you know in, in certain areas, obviously that has uh, uh, meant a direct uh, spike in enrollment. Do you do you notice not only the the interest and the need for your department, but actually young students uh, taking a uh, uh, taking a liking uh, to the uh, department of social work simply because they see what's happening now in this world of ours?
1: Um, well. I don't know direct enrollment numbers, but um, I definitely got a lot more calls. Um, we have a campus in Brooklyn, um, quite active uh, over the past few years. Um, a lot of young men and women that are interested. A
0: lot of young men and women in our community have done really well in social work, I must say, for generations already at this point. And one of the things that's interesting to uh, uh, to to discuss is um, which groups have done well when it comes to the current situation that we're in, because I noticed that when uh, I got advanced notice about your uh, appearance here on the air, uh, there was actually a suggestion that you might be able to speak about how men and women have handled COVID differently, how adults and children have handled it uh, differently, and how people who might be religious may have handled it differently than others so let's get started with the adults and children do you think that we've done well in this area in terms of coping over the last 18 months
1: so I mean at first I think it varies a lot depending on which particular community um, you're part of because the impact of COVID does vary depending on whether schools were open or closed or remote or in person um, kind of the general um, vibe about it in a particular community The initial periods were really hard on everybody, although I I collected data from over, I think, maybe even over 4,000 from people um, during the initial period. And although it was hard, most of them were uh, coping just fine. Um, I think kids, speaking from uh, kind of clinical experience, I think it was harder for adolescents um, and maybe older, middle school kids than for younger kids. I think younger kids were more okay with it. Um, But the lack of social contact, Um, particularly during quarantine, was really difficult on older kids and teens. One of the groups that I've seen consistently struggling the most is young adults who were back at home with their parents, particularly if they hadn't lived there for a while or if there was some stress or conflict in that relationship. So, you know, they used to be in yeshiva, they used to be in college, um, and then they're stuck back at home, you know, for a year and a half with, uh, uh, you know, in a situation that may not be ideal ideal for their development. Um, that was a group that I saw struggling
0: a lot. yeah, I can imagine that group had it tough. And also, as you mentioned, the middle schoolers and the high schoolers, so much of their middle school and high school experience is about socializing, is about the social aspect. yeah you know, half their day, as much as much as they're studying going to class, and we know they take that seriously. but half their day is you know developing relationships and uh, and you know cultivating friendships. And uh, they didn't have any of that live and in person over all this time.
1: Yeah, and those are the key developmental tasks for those ages. I mean, obviously academic learning is important, Um, but from you know, a psychosocial perspective, the things kids need to do is learn how to effectively relate to their peers, um, and missing uh, you know, a year and a half of in-person contact like that um, is you know, what's difficult and detrimental.
0: Dr. Tsvi Puritinsky is with us, Associate Professor of Clinical Social Work, Turo College Graduate School of Social Work. It's really remarkable to hear you, especially with the data, you know, with your report, so to speak, being data-driven, uh, tell us that we did relatively well because I, I would think that there were so many extenuating circumstances related to COVID, especially financial ones, that would have led to a very difficult um, uh, coping mechanism for for adults. Is that, are, are those really the exceptions, meaning that, you know, we generally did well because most people didn't face, you know, very difficult financial and other type of circumstances those that did though obviously you know reacted and dealt with it very differently
1: well there's certainly a lot of individual difference i mean people did go through very uh you know hardships whether it's in terms of uh, finances or health um right. or even deaths so of course there were particular people who were greatly affected but overall the data suggests yes finances and work were the two most stressful areas um but even those uh, most people, in terms of anxiety, depression, um, other mental trauma symptoms, were really doing fine, um, and I think, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities why. One thing that did jump out from the data was that people who utilized what in the psychological world is called religious coping, but basically turning to emuna, and um davening, did much better. In fact, um, there was even a connection between that and weight changes. So generally speaking, when people are stressed, they have a tendency to gain weight, that's true on average, um, and that was true for people who were stressed by COVID, but not among those who were higher on utilizing um, religious strategies They actually um, generally maintained their weight or even lost weight. So not only did it have an effect on mental health, that kind of stuff had a, has seemed to have an effect on physical health. Um, the other thing I think that the front community, because of our interconnected um, Network? Structure. Right. We, yeah, network. We rely on each other. Um, we support each other. Um, I mean, where I live in in Lakewood, there was tons of immediately food boxes being delivered. Neighbors checking in on each other by phone. Um, you know, eventually backyard as that was possible. Right. Um, and even now, there's just a, just a strong social fabric. I think that's a big part in what protects us is in this, during times of crisis.
0: Is this across the board? I have to assume that your research didn't deal only. With Jews, are there experts who would uh, agree that other religions, uh, that that, um, or I should say, people of other religions that have displayed great faith, uh, generally during their lifetimes, dealt with this whole thing much better?
1: Yeah, so that's a universal, pretty universal finding, um, generally speaking, outside of COVID. Um, you know, which counteracts many of the stereotypes of you know the 1950s. which is actually very good for your mental health, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, and I've been contacted by researchers, by Muslim researchers, by I'm an Indian researcher who've replicated very similar findings um, in other religious communities. There's, you know, part of it is how, how it helps you think about things in positive ways, and part of it is the kind of activities that it encourages, um, you, know, doing, you know, focusing on other people, helping on family, community, and all those things are positive for mental health.
0: Yeah. I think of the people that told me that they, uh, they were davening better uh, alone than in shul, and not that I'm endorsing that, but I'm just saying that the, you're talking about making lemon lemonade out of lemons. That was that was quite an approach that people were uh, you know uh, were, were were appreciating the fact that they're different type of davening and 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 davening that we normally would call you know not as acceptable because of the forced situation. It it brought them to a point religiously that was you know that was different, but in some ways more enhanced.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Nahum, and in fact, the data that I have bear that out, that people who were able to look for something good in what was happening right. generally did much better, while people who um, gave up trying to deal with the situation or turned to work or other activities just to take their mind off things, they did more poorly.
0: Dr. Tzvi Puritinsky is with us live via telephone. All right, now i got to ask you the one On my list, which I I assume would be considered politically incorrect for 2021. But if you're willing to discuss it, I would love to get your impressions of it. And that, of course, is gender differences in dealing with COVID. Do men and women, and again, you know, all all disclaimers uh, up front, uh, do men and women deal with the uh, the situation differently? And does the data show that they uh, handled the last 18 months very
1: differently? Yeah. So uh, what I have data on is... Um, in terms of the impact, and it did differ significantly. So, um, generally speaking, women experienced much more stress um, as a result of COVID. Um, there were particular areas where this was more pronounced, um, so like sleep, um, family life, um, and things like that. Women tended to report that COVID had more of a negative impact than men reported, um, and what is also true of, of stress symptoms and anxiety and depression. Um, as to why that is, and if there are you know if there are reasons if the way that they coped with it differed, um, I don't really have the data. I mean, we could speculate. but this is particular to the front community uh, the right. data that i'm I'm referring to. I mean, um and there were large differences,
0: yeah, as a layman, I would say that uh, you know the responsibility that the woman generally has for the family in our community, which is already immense, only became more immense during COVID, um, especially with a lot of people home especially with a lot more meals to, to, to bake and to cook. And, uh, in general, just, you know, the the role of the man very often in our community, uh, if I could say this in 2021, the role of the man in our community is, uh, you know, uh, very often a lot of their responsibilities are outside the home and here everybody was stuck in the home.
1: Yeah. I think there's no question that cultural, uh, gender divide and expectations and patterns of life is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, another piece, which, you know, sometimes with this kind of research, it's a little tricky, is that men and women may respond differently to similar questions. So especially in the uh, from community, women are likely more socialized to discuss their feelings, and they're therefore more likely to say, yeah, it was hard, while men are socialized slightly less to express their feelings Although the divide is nowhere near what you would find outside the Jewish community, um, but there still is that gap. So some of that might just represent reporting bias. Right.
0: Um,
1: but I do, but I do think that there's substance there as well.
0: Has your semester
1: started already? We are starting this week. I'm looking forward to welcoming a bunch of new students in the classroom. And uh, have you looked at the <laughs> have you lo- have you looked
0: at the roster? Do you have a nice full uh, full uh, uh, collection of students?
1: <laughs> the classes are full.
0: Momish. that's amazing. And why is, and, and I guess, I mean, for the same reason we always talk about, you know, professions that help others. Uh, so many of the Jewish children, the young men and young women in our community have this desire to just, you know, to to give and give as much as possible. And I think in your area uh, in social work, and I think it's becoming more and more, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, uh, The the giving portion just continues to increase. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I've been doing career counseling. It's one of the uh, services that I offer um, for about uh, 11 years in Lakewood. And social work is consistently one of the most popular asked about careers. Right. Um, and I do think there's something, to that that people, you know, we want to do chesed and we want to help other people. Um, and it's something that really does strongly appeal um, to from people particularly. Um, so, yeah, it's always something I get asked about.
0: And it just seems that, I don't know, I could be misreading the way the um... – the government and local officials uh, describe it, but it just seems that they are looking for social workers to take a more active role in different areas, and so so, so it just yeah. seems the options for for people who are in general social work are just getting more and more over the years.
1: Yeah, and that's absolutely true in evidence. Uh, Toro gets a number of grants that we uh, ha- can give students significant federal investment in training social workers. I've been involved in a cutting edge uh, program which is integrated behavioral health in lakewood so the federal government paid to have social workers come into primary care physician offices because they recognize that much of what people seek help for is mental health related or stress related or behaviorally related and they increasingly want social workers and other mental health professionals as well um, present in in medical settings in a a more obvious way
0: yeah and both men and women are pursuing the career uh, uh i don't know if it's equal but certainly both are well represented right
1: Yeah, I mean, in the outside world, it's female-dominated. The helping professions and social work specifically, there still is a gender imbalance within the front community, but it's much closer, and there's a lot of uh, men interested.
0: And I noticed that a lot of people, men and women, who've gone on to do other things in the world of... of whether it be medicine or the world of uh, nursing care whatever it might be or working in specific facilities in a more business-like environment you know whether it's an administrator for a nursing home etc a lot of them have social work degrees a lot of them start where you are at this point or where yeah, your students and, are uh, so, I Should say
1: social social work is like that it's it's not a narrowly focused uh, clinical mental health degree although that our program at Toro is a clinical program right. um but it does provide, you know, a broader view of policy and, uh, you know, economic factors and other things, and people use that training in different ways. Yeah, very interesting.
0: Uh, information about all of this, of course, folks, you can go to Turo.edu, Turo.edu. Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Stephen Svi-Puritinsky is the Associate Professor of Clinical Social Work at the Turo College Graduate School of Social Work, and I would assume you would, uh, uh, you would um, uh, certainly encourage, I don't, I don't know what the story is right now, because as you said, the semester is starting this week, and I know that things are uh, you know, uh, are, um, are, are about to get uh, rolling, but in general, uh, you would suggest to students and their parents to check out this career path at uh, Dr. Puritinsky.
1: Yeah, and thank you, Malcolm, for the uh, great questions and interesting topic.
0: Appreciate that very much. If interesting is right, and a Shana Tovat to you, a happy, healthy, and sweet new year. Okay, Shana Tovat. Dr. Tzvi Puritinsky, Turo.edu for information. He's the Associate Professor of Clinical Social Work, Turo College Graduate School of Social Work. And what I meant by that question was that uh, when, I, when I said where he is now, I wasn't, I wasn't referring to him and his own career. Obviously, it's quite a distinguished career. I was referring to the fact that uh, where he is in terms of um, uh, teaching the students is where so many of the professionals who turn out to be uh, great administrators and working in many different areas of medical care and nursing care da- down the road, this is where they start. And it's, uh, it, it's amazing. You know what we always say about um, – we say this about Turo. Uh, At least I've been saying it for the last couple of months. (laughs) Real classes, real courses, real degrees. And uh, the truth is that so many people these days are going for multiple degrees. And down the road, boy, does it help. And make them real, folks. Parents out there, convince your kids. Go for the real educational route. Go for the real academic route. I'm telling you, down the road, it is one of the greatest investments you'll ever make. Both time and money. Uh, It is just a phenomenal and wonderful investment. Uh, More coming up. You're listening to a, uh, what is today? Tuesday morning edition of JM in the AM.